It is so wonderful to have all of you with us today. We're grateful uh, for you being here, for the Lord being here with us. Um, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to Acts chapter 5. We're going to be going through that today. We're probably only going to get about halfway through it because there's a lot going on in this first half. We've been going through Acts, the early church, everything going through. Uh, a story is told of how uh, one day a rather pompous-looking deacon was endeavoring to impress upon a class of boys the importance of living a Christian life. Why do you think people call me a Christian? The man asked these boys. And after a moment's pause, one youngster said, maybe it's because they don't know you. It's easy to to try to, if you're not willing to fully surrender to God, it's easy to just play the part. And we've, we've had that problem from the very beginning. And it's real easy to fool people, too. One writer wrote about a historical figure. He made free use of Christian vocabulary. He talked about the blessing of the Almighty and the Christian confessions, which would become the pillars of the new government. He assumed the earnestness of a man weighed down by historic responsibility. He handed out pious stories to the press, particularly to the church papers. He showed his tattered Bible and declared that he drew strength from this great work, drew uh, strength for his great work from it as scores of pious people welcomed him as a man sent from God. And the writer continued, indeed, Adolf Hitler was a master of outward religi- religiosity with no inward reality. We see this a lot. We see this all the time. Adolf Hitler was a hypocrite. A hypocrite, as one writer put it, has God on his tongue, but the world in his heart. A hypocrite has God on his tongue, but the world in his heart. Another writer put it, a hypocrite is a person who isn't himself on Sunday. A hypocrite is a man who is not himself on Sunday. See, she's being very real right now. She's not faking at all. She is not happy. When I was, years ago, many, there was this a Christian song called Sunday Jack. It's about a man that came to church and, and would present himself as a Christ follower on Sunday and live like the devil the rest of the week. We see that a lot. People think that it's go through the motions, and that it's okay. Hypocrisy is not failing, is not missing the mark. We're not talking about someone who, who uh, fell into sin. That's not necessarily a hypocrite. A, a hypocrite is someone who has fallen into sin and pretends that everything is fine pretends that they're completely obedient to God. 
That's a hypocrite. They make a show of it. And in, in, in Acts 5, we see a biblical example of hypocrisy. So let's get into it. Uh, verse 1. Um, so in, in the fourth chapter, at the very end, I mentioned last week that this Joseph guy, Sold some property and, and, and gave it to the apostles. And it was probably a good amount of money. And, and I'm sure everybody oohed and awed and, hey, thank you so much. That's wonderful. Thank you for giving that. And this man, Ananias, saw that. And he wanted to be patted on the back. And, oh, wow, that's wonderful. And so verse one, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a, a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. So he kept back. He didn't, he didn't, he sold a piece of property and then he, and he only gave part of it to the apostles, but he pretended that it was the entire amount, and his wife was complicit in it. She knew what he was doing. She knew he was lying, and she was agreeing to go along with it. And we saw earlier in, in, in chapter 4 how there was persecution on the outside. There the, the lawmakers were putting people in jail because they were preaching Christ. But see, the devil doesn't just focus on external persecution. He also uses another tool, internal perversion. If he can't get you from the outside, he'll try to corrupt us from the inside. And that's been going on from the very beginning. Did you also notice here that the Christian church never got a break? They were, from day one, that first day, we were at war with the ruler of this world. There's always something going on to try to pull us away from God, to try to steer us away. And I hear this internal uh, perversion going on. And the devil still does that today, tries to twist things and, 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 and cause people to get angry with each other in the church. Uh, a lot of problems uh, to come up with. A lot of people misinterpreting uh, scripture for their own benefit. Uh, a lot of different ways. But his wife knew about it in verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And keep back part of the proceeds from the field. So uh, Peter is confronting Ananias. He said, why has Satan filled your heart to the lie of the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the field? Notice, first off, That that which fills your heart will control your life. Whatever fills your heart 
and here greed and 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 this interest in in, in being lauded for for his giving uh, filled his heart. What fills your heart today? Is, is it lust that fills your heart? Is it hate? Is it envy? Is it bitterness that fills your heart? I have people consumed with bitterness for a past crime. They can't let it go. They can't forgive. What fills your heart today? And as he lied to the Holy Spirit... Notice that it was Satan that initiated this. Satan filled his heart. He pushed for this to happen. There's a story about General Patton during World War II. Uh, when he went to face uh, German General uh, General Erwin Rommel, when they faced each other in battle, General Patton shouted out, I read your book, Rommel. I read your book. You see, Rommel had written a book on infantry tactics and, and laid out all of his tactics, all of his techniques in the book. And, and Patton was smart enough to read this book. And so when they faced the battle, he knew what the other general was going to do. And we don't have a, a, a book written by the devil about all his tactics, but we have God's word where God is laid out. A lot of the tactics the devil uses to try to trip us up, to try to hurt our relationship with God. And I'm going to take a little sidebar here from what's going on in Acts 5 and talk about some of those things that the devil does to try to hurt us and hurt our relationship with God. So if you want to turn back and forth with me, different verses, you're welcome to. First off is Matthew chapter 4, verse 6. Matthew chapter 4, verse 6. Here we have the devil is, is tempting Jesus, and he says, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give His angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The devil will use scripture. He will quote scripture to lead us astray. That's one tactic he will do. Another tactic, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Especially because of the extraordinary revelations, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Satan will flick the body. Cause you pain. To try to steer you away from God. And we've seen examples of that in our own church. Another, another tactic the devil uses 
be found in Mark chapter 4, verse 15. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes the word sown in them. So the devil will pluck away the seed of the word. When someone hears the truth, the devil will try to distract them and get them, get the, that, that seed thought, that idea, before it begins to form that maybe I need to surrender my life to Christ. The devil will, I tempt by. I'm just gonna instead of real I'm just gonna go through them. Number four, the devil will tempt by impure thoughts. Uh, number five, the devil will tempt by pride. I've got everything figured out. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need God's help. Tempt by pride. That's in First Timothy three six. The, de- the number six, the devil will hinder through circumstances. You ever try to go to church or a Bible study or do something you know God wants you to do and it seems hard? Something gets thrown away? You get a flat tire or something happens? Marcos, I remember the day Cornelius got baptized. He was walking down the street to church when a car went by and and hit a large puddle and soaked him from head to toe. And right then he was about ready just to give up and go back home. And then God spoke to him. But the devil tried to hinder by circumstances. Number seven, seduce by pleasure. The devil will try to seduce by pleasure. Try to distract you from doing what is right by enticing you something pleasurable. Number eight, the devil will severely, can severely beat you in a crisis, just really wear you down in a major crisis in your life to try to get, get you to give up on serving God. Number nine, the devil will tempt to hypocrisy and lying. When, uh, and when a when something comes in your life, you're tempted to sin, and you end up doing what is wrong, the devil will try to get you to keep that to yourself. Don't tell anybody about it. Oh, they'll think less of you. Oh, it'll be easy. You'll be able to fix it yourself. You don't need anybody's help. And all the opposite is true. And so you keep it to yourself, and it festers and gets worse and worse and you become a hypocrite because on the inside you know you're far from God, but on the outside you're still going through the motions. So there's some tactics the devil uses and going back to the scripture where Peter asks, Why has the devil filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds? Wasn't it yours, verse 4, wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you plan this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. 
You know that the word hypocrisy uh, comes from the Greek theater, the Greek theater. Uh, it, it, it literally means putting on a mask and playing a part. You're doing, you're playing somebody else that you're not. You're an actor. In Dante's uh, Divine Comedy, uh, there's a scene where you have hypocrites in hell, and they're all wearing these beautiful golden flowing capes. So at first, they, you know, the, the protagonist thinks, well, they're doing pretty good, even though they're hypocrites. But then when he got closer, he realized the capes were actually made of lead. And, 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 and they were crying from, from the burden of that hypocrisy, the weighing them down, the weight, the burden of it. Verse 5, when he, when he heard these words, Ananias, when he heard these words, at, at, uh, Stephen said, Ananias dropped dead. He died right there. And great fear became on all who heard, and the young men got up and wrapped his body and carried him out and buried him. There was an interval of about three hours, so they, they, they took him. There was no funeral. There was nothing. They just went and buried him. And about three hours later, when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, Peter looked at her to tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the field for this price? And she said, yes. She took part in his lie. She said, yes, she said, for that price. And Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit? Agree to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Notice that uh, Sapphira... She agreed. She went along with it. That was part of She made several bad decisions that led to her downfall and death going along with sin, even when it's your spouse. You owe it to your spouse to hold on and do what's right. I know a pastor back in Ohio, when he first got saved, his wife was very unhappy because up to that point that he had been her drinking buddy. And he got saved and she was so mad and, 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 and she caused a big ruckus. And, um, but he held the line. He's, I'm going to follow the Lord. And before long, she got saved too. And he said, and then we had a party. We took all the bottles of alcohol out and just went into the sink and just poured them all out. We had a, a big party. We never, never surrendered that before, that party lifestyle. That was gone. And now they're passing a wonderful church in Ohio. It's been for decades. 
serving the Lord, having an impact on people because they made that decision to follow after Christ. So she made a mistake of agreeing with him, and then she tested, agreeing with him to test the spirit. Testing to, to, uh, to force, to prove, to try something. To, to, to put on trial. When we set up a prayer station, we had this table. And, and we had to set a banner up and everything. And I stood on the table and it was one of those tables that folded in the middle as well. And I'm a good 200 pounds. And I had to stand on the table to get everything together. And Missy was concerned because I was testing the table. And she wasn't sure if it was going to hold up. People do that with God. They'll, they'll try to test God. Well, you say you're going to do this, so let's see. And they were testing the Holy Spirit to see if he was legit, if he was actually in charge. And Peter said, look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And instantly she dropped dead at his feet, and then when the young man came in, they found her dead and carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came upon the whole church and all who heard these things. You see, Ananias and Sapphira's story is a call to us to confront ourselves. Do I practice spiritual deceit? Do I pretend to be somebody I'm not? Do I do I try to make others think I'm more committed than I am? We are to ourselves the biggest of fools, I think. We fool ourselves. We can lie to ourselves so easily. Rationalize. Oh, I'm... I know I need to spend time with God and His Word and learn His Word, uh, but I'm too busy. Oh, I know I, I shouldn't be involved in, in this activity, but everybody else is doing it right now, and I don't want to look like some holy roller, so I'm just going to go along with the crowd to keep people from being angry with me. I, you know, they make excuses. I know I should, but I've heard so, so many times. I had a fan member tell me years ago, I know I need to get back to God. Dot, dot, dot. It's always that. And they, they, we, we, you know, I want to, I'm so busy. I want to go to church, but I'm too busy. And by the way, those who miss church, you know that's a symptom, right? That's not the cause. Missing church is a symptom of a heart problem. I'm too busy. I got so much going on. I, you know, all this and that. And I want one person tell me that. 
Oh, I'm, 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 I want to come to church, but I'm so busy at work and everything going on. And then later, I look on Facebook, and it, it's, it's interesting what people put on Facebook. But I noticed that she had shared a post that, that basically said, oh, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. That's what she began telling herself. But I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And then that's led to more pain and suffering from sin. We lie to ourselves. And we believe it so easily. There's six six lessons we can get. I'm just going to quickly go through these. Six lessons we can get from this on spiritual hypocrisy. Notice number one, hypocrisy is energized by Satan. We already talked about that's one of his tricks. Number two, notice that, that hypocrisy is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Notice number three, that hypocrisy never, fa- never fools God. God's never fooled by it. Number four, notice that it's always connected with another sin. There's always a pet sin that we just can't give up, we can't get rid of, and so we compartmentalize and keep it to ourselves. And with technology today, this is definitely an age of secret sins. It's so easy to lock some side of your life away and and think, well, no one's ever going to, it's not going to affect anybody, and it does. No one's ever going to find out. They do. I spent 20 years in the military, and, and there's a saying, what goes TDY stays TDY. It never stays TDY. And TDY is where you go off somewhere on business. Never stays TDY. In fact, I, when I was in Korea, I spent, I spent almost a year in Korea, and, and I had guys that would go down to the different bars and stuff where there were women, and I wouldn't go with them, and and, and they ask me why, and I say, well, if it looks like a bear trap, it's probably a bear trap. So I'm going to stay away. And a guy that didn't stay away, like one guy went, got involved with a girl downtown, and went and got an apartment downtown, and he was shocked when he got divorce papers. He was truly surprised. Didn't understand it. Number five, hypocrisy is always intentional. It's not an. It's never an accident. Number six, it's it's a severe offense. God takes it very seriously. And what happens is we we put ourselves at risk. For becoming hypocrites when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit's guidance. There's a story I'm going to close. I'm going to close with one more illustration. Two young women 
lost their lives in a fire that swept their apartment complex. But what confused investigators is their smoke detector, detector was in good working order. Couldn't understand why it didn't get off, go off and wake up the girls and save their lives. Well, they looked closer at the device and realized that it had been deactivated. What happened was the night before, they'd had a party where a bunch of cooking and birthday candles were going. And so to keep it from going off and being annoying to them, they turned it off. And didn't turn it back on. Acts 5, we have another example of two people, Ananias and Sapphira, who apparently deactivated the alarm system that could have saved their life. There's no reason to believe that Ananias and Sapphira weren't at one point God-fearing people. But they turned off, they quenched the Holy Spirit. They turned a deaf ear to their consciences, believing they had plenty of good reasons for doing what they did. But their actions cost them their lives. You need to realize the holy, when you feel something in your heart, when you go do something and you real, and something tells you no, there's reason for that. God has a good reason for that. He's trying to protect you. Holy Spirit is never given to annoy us. And he doesn't sound false alarms. When he activates our conscience by bringing to mind a principle or warning from God's word, it is really his love and wisdom in action. Don't quench. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do, do it. You'll never, you'll never regret that. May God help us to always be authentic in our private life and in our public life. May the Lord help us to protect us from hypocrisy. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Let's stand as we close in prayer.